This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. Good morning, I'm John Trout. It's Thursday, January 18th, 2024. Here's what's coming up on America in the Morning. Some optimism for a Ukraine border funding deal after congressional leaders meet at the White House. I'm John Stolness in Washington. A former Republican candidate for president gets an apology from the White House. President Biden has deep respect for Governor Hutchinson. I'm Clayton Neville. Former President Donald Trump was threatened with expulsion from his Manhattan civil trial after he repeatedly ignored a warning to keep quiet. I'm Ed Donahue. For the first time in years, GOP presidential candidates will not hold a debate before next week's New Hampshire primary. Sagar Megani at the White House. Markets open this morning after another day in the red. Interest rate cuts may not be flowing from the Fed. I'm Jessica Ettinger. California Governor Gavin Newsom says he will not sign a proposed ban on tackle football for kids under 12. I'm Geffen Kuhlbach. All ahead on America in the Morning. President Biden spent Wednesday afternoon urging congressional leaders to prioritize funding for Ukraine as negotiations tied to border priorities continue. John Stolness has more from Washington. Following their White House meeting over the state of affairs in Ukraine and the need for the U.S. to continue funding their war against Russian aggression, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said the president made the stakes of inactivity clear. If we don't come to Ukraine's aid, that the consequences for America around the globe would be nothing short of devastating. Republican House Speaker Mike Johnson says House Republicans made their priorities clear to the president and Democrats as well. We understand that all these things are important, but we must insist, we must insist that the border be the top priority. A bipartisan group of senators has been negotiating with the White House on a Ukraine funding deal tied to border security changes that has little to no chance of passing the House. I told the president what I have been saying for many months, and that is that we must have change at the border, substantive policy change. Ahead of the meeting, National Security Council spokesman John Kirby pushed back against House Republican resistance to what they say would be a blank check for Ukraine's war effort. And this whole idea of a blank check also is not true. Every single aid package that we provided Ukraine, we have done consultations with Congress. So there have been and will continue to be a lot of outreach from the administration with members of Congress about Ukraine. Schumer said he believed the odds of a Senate border Ukraine deal was better than 50-50 and that the president was willing to compromise on border legislation that would free up his proposed $110 billion supplemental aid package. John Stolness, Washington. The campaigning in New Hampshire is underway ahead of next week's GOP presidential primary. Correspondent Clayton Neville reports more candidates are dropping out of the race, prompting an apology from the White House. Former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson pulled his name from the list of Republican candidates for president this week, leading to a controversial social media post by the Democratic National Committee. It read, quote, this news comes as a shock to those of us who could have sworn he already dropped out. Hutchinson didn't qualify for recent debates and has led somewhat of a low profile campaign. But the comments drew an apology from the White House. President Biden has deep respect for Governor Hutchinson and admires the race that he ran. 
the president knows him to be a man of principle who cares about our country and has a strong record of public service. Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre. The chief of staff here, Jeff Seitz, uh, called the governor to convey uh, this and apologized uh, for the statement uh, that did not, that did not represent uh, the president's views. Meanwhile, in New Hampshire, the positioning well underway. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis went after opponent Nikki Haley during a campaign event in Concord. People were saying, like, you know, unless you finish in the top two, then no one has a chance to go on beyond that. And people like uh, Nikki Haley's team was saying, well, they're definitely going to be second, all this other stuff. You got to be second to go on. And and I finished. I finished second. She didn't. Haley and DeSantis neck and neck in Iowa and former President Donald Trump, the clear front runner, mocked Haley this week on social media with comparisons to Hillary Clinton. He voiced support for Vivek Ramaswamy, who finished fourth in Iowa before dropping out of the race. He did a hell of a job. He came from uh, zero and he's uh, got a big percent, probably eight percent, almost eight percent. And that's uh, an amazing job. Ramaswamy now fully backing Trump as Iowa triggered a slew of endorsements for the former president, the likes of Republican Senator Ted Cruz and others. We are in the middle of a war in this country. That's what this is. It's not a war between black and white. It's not between Democrat and Republican, even in a deeper sense. It's between the permanent state and the everyday citizen. This is efforts to keep Trump off the ballot continue in some American states. But this week, a judge in Maine suspended a decision to exclude Trump from the primary ballot. The judge sent the issue back to Maine's Secretary of State, asking her to modify, withdraw, or confirm her ruling after the Supreme Court rules on a similar case out of Colorado. I'm Clayton Neville. Tossed out of the courtroom, a close one for Donald Trump. When America in the Morning continues after these messages. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Arctic Air takes a deep dive into the lower 48. Welcome back. You're with America in the morning. AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson has the forecast. The coldest air across the nation today will continue to be felt from Montana into the northern plains and Minnesota, where high temperatures are only being the single digits, even some spots remaining below zero throughout today. While still cold, it will not be as harsh as recent days across the Midwest and Great Lakes, while the central and southern plains into Texas will continue to moderate. 
With plenty of cold air in place, there'll be pockets of snow crossing the northern tier of the nation today. The first area of snow will stretch from Indiana and Kentucky eastward through Ohio and Michigan, then reaching western parts of New York and Pennsylvania this afternoon. Snow can accumulate an inch or two in these areas, particularly locally higher amounts around three or four inches where heavier bands persist. This can lead to slippery travel and delays for places like St. Louis and Chicago this morning, then spreading over to Detroit, Cincinnati, and eventually Pittsburgh. A few flurries may sneak into New York City and Philadelphia this afternoon. Meanwhile, another area of snow will stretch from the northern Rockies into South Dakota, northern Nebraska, and Iowa. One to three inches of snow can accumulate through this evening. Meanwhile, freezing rain can lead to icy roads, sidewalks, and travel delays from eastern Arkansas, Tennessee, including Memphis and Nashville, then over towards southern Kentucky, northern parts of Mississippi, and Alabama. The northwest will remain stormy with another round of rain and heavy mountain snow over Washington and Oregon. Much of California into the desert southwest and Texas will have dry and quiet weather today, while rain will dampen parts of the lower Mississippi Valley into the central Gulf Coast states with some showers extending into central and southern Florida. Much of the Carolinas and Georgia will have sunny and calm weather today with afternoon highs into the 50s. And that's the weather across America. In Philadelphia today, cloudy, high 36. Meanwhile, in Seattle, rain with a high of 36. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Follow us everywhere you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. Fireworks in New York as former President Trump was threatened with expulsion from his Manhattan civil trial after he repeatedly ignored a warning to keep quiet while columnist E. Jean Carroll testified. Ed Donahue reports. Carol said Trump shattered her reputation after she accused him of sexual abuse in the 1990s. A jury backed her claim. This case involves damages. Trump could be heard saying things to his lawyers like, it's a witch hunt and it really is a con job. Judge Lewis Kaplan told the former president to stop being disruptive outside court. This is a person I have no idea until this happened, obviously. I have no idea who she was and nor could I care less. Trump also ripped Kaplan on social media while the judge denied a request that he step aside from the case. And that's a nasty man. He's a nasty judge. He's a Trump-hating guy. And uh, it's obvious to everybody in the court. It's a disgrace, frankly, what's happening. It's a disgrace. Happens to be a Clinton appointment, but I'm sure that has nothing to do with it. I frankly am the one that suffered damages. I should be given money, given damages. Carol says her worries about her personal safety led her to buy bullets for a gun she inherited from her father and unleash her pit bull to roam freely on her property. She has a gun or a, or a rifle. She didn't really explain which. She might have both because she said she bought rifle bullets So uh, and it's totally unlicensed. So I assume that's a problem, but the judge was protecting her. He didn't want to go there. We don't want to go there. We don't want to, if that were me, It'll be a different story. I'm Ed Donahue. It's usually a staple in any big political race, but for the first time in years, there will not be a debate before next week's New Hampshire primary. Washington correspondent Sagar Magani takes a look. Both scheduled debates are now canceled after Nikki Haley refused to take part unless Donald Trump did. Trump has skipped all five Republican debates. And while Ron DeSantis committed to showing up at both in New Hampshire, Haley's decision ended up scrapping them. CNN says instead of Saturday's debate, it will host a town hall with Haley tomorrow. DeSantis had his own yesterday. Sagar Magani at the White House. Boeing on the future of the MAX 9, when America in the Morning continues after these messages.
We're back. This is America in the Morning. Longtime Meta Chief Operating Officer Sheryl Sandberg says she will no longer remain on the company's board of directors when her term ends in May. Sandberg posted on Facebook that she told the board she will not stand for re-election. Sandberg left her COO role in 2022 after 14 years on the job. She came to Facebook in 2008 from Google, where she had been VP of Global Online Sales, and in her position Position, working with Mark Zuckerberg helped grow Facebook's revenue from $150 million in 2008 to more than $116 billion in 2022. Here's CNBC's Jessica Ettinger with Thursday Business. Wall Street opens this morning after another down day for the major averages yesterday. The Dow now riding a three-day losing streak. Some believe investors are starting to accept that the Fed may make only two or three interest rate cuts this year, not six or more as seem to be priced in. Certainly uh, a later start to the Fed rate cutting program and fewer cuts than what the street is expecting right now, which in my opinion is a good sign because it means that we are headed for a soft landing if we did indeed get uh, rate cuts to start sooner and to have more aggressive rate cutting schedule, I think that would imply that there are real problems with the economy. CFRA researches Sam Stovall on CNBC. Retail sales for December. Final numbers are out. They came in better than expected. It was a good Christmas, not a great Christmas, but most of all, it was a normal Christmas. I will say uh, the dollar value was up to $964 billion. That's a new record. CNBC senior economics reporter Steve Leesman. Home builders are feeling a lot better about their business as mortgage rates are lower from 8% last fall to about 6 and 3 quarters percent this morning for a 30-year fixed home loan. A big beat on home builder sentiment in January, now at the highest level since September. Now that coincides with a big drop in mortgage interest rates. They do still note headwinds in building costs, labor, and available lots. CNBC's Diana Olick. Jessica, Boeing is facing some major headwinds over this MAX 9. Boeing's CEO and the Spirit Aerosystems CEO together held a town hall with Spirit employees yesterday in Wichita, Kansas. Both companies make the 737 MAX 9 jets, including the one that had a door blowout mid-flight about 10 days ago. It was owned by Alaska Airlines. It was almost a brand new plane. This town hall, similar to what we saw from Boeing's town hall out in Renton, Washington last week, to say to the, the workers there, we've got to do better. You cannot have these kind of uh, quality escapes that uh, lead to this kind of a situation when it comes to the 737 MAX 9. 40 inspections of grounded MAX 9s have been completed. The data is being analyzed by the FAA. When we see these planes return to service, when the FAA gives instructions to the airlines in terms of this is what you need to check for, that remains to be seen. CNBC's Phil LeBeau. On today's watch list, we get earnings from Taiwan Semi, Truist Financial, and J.B. Hunt Transport. Plus, we get a read on new home construction with housing starts and building permits numbers. We find out how many people applied for unemployment benefits last week. Thank you, CNBC's Jessica Edinger. When we return on America in the Morning, California Governor Gavin Newsom tackles parents and politicians after these messages.
America in the Morning continues. A judge has declined to dismiss the case against a U.S. Marine veteran charged with manslaughter for placing a man in a deadly chokehold aboard a New York City subway train. With an update, here's correspondent Julie Walker. Daniel Penny pleaded not guilty to charges of second-degree manslaughter and criminally negligent homicide in the death last May of Jordan Neely, a former Michael Jackson impersonator who witnesses say was shouting and begging for money on a Manhattan train. Penny pinned Neely to the ground with the help of two other passengers and held him in a chokehold for more than three minutes. 30-year-old Neely lost consciousness during the struggle. Penny has said he acted to protect himself and others. His attorneys filed a motion seeking dismissal of the indictment, which was denied in court on Wednesday. Penny's attorneys said after the decision that they were looking ahead to the trial, which could begin in the fall. Penny is white, Neely was black. His death became a flashpoint in the nation's ongoing debate over racial justice and crime. Julie Walker, New York. Following outrage from conservatives and saying he was on the side of parental freedom, California's Democrat Governor Gavin Newsom went against his own party and vetoed a controversial bill that would have banned youth tackle football in the Golden State. Correspondent Gethin Coolball has the story. California Governor Gavin Newsom says he will not sign a proposed ban on tackle football for kids under 12. A bill to gradually phase out tackle football for kids under the age of 12 had passed a legislative committee last week. The bill had to pass the state assembly by the end of January to have a chance at becoming law this year. Advocates say the ban would protect kids from the risk of brain injury. Opponents say the ban would have cut off kids from a source of activity and exercise. I'm Gethin Coolbaugh. America in the Morning for Thursday, January 18th, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay. Senior producer, Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. Here's what's coming up this half hour. The president met with the Speaker of the House and other officials to unlock aid for Ukraine and other U.S. allies. I'm Lisa Dwyer. The U.S. has put Yemen's Houthis back on a list of specially designated global terrorists. Sagar Magani at the White House. Wintry weather linked to dozens of deaths across the U.S. I'm Clayton Neville. Police body camera footage has been released showing police raid a house leaving a toddler in the hospital. I'm Sue Aller. Lawyers for former President Trump are foreshadowing elements of their defense in the classified document case. I'm Julie Walker. The Songwriters Hall of Fame has announced this year's class of inductees. I'm Archie Zaroleta with the latest. Back after these messages. Welcome back here with America in the Morning. No major weather systems, but AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson is at the map with a look at more wintry weather. Even though there will not be any big storms across the nation today, there will be pockets of light to moderate snow that can cause slippery travel and delays across parts of the northern tier. The first area of snow will stretch from Indiana and Kentucky eastward through Ohio and Michigan, then reaching western parts of New York and Pennsylvania this afternoon. Snow in these areas can accumulate an inch or two, but there could be a locally high 
higher amounts, around 3 or 4 inches, where heavier bands persist. So while not a huge storm, even a thin coating of snow combined with the cold temperatures can create slick spots, slow travel, and delays through this evening. Slippery travel will impact areas from St. Louis and Chicago this morning, then spreading over to Detroit, Cincinnati, and eventually Pittsburgh. Meanwhile, travelers should use extra caution from eastern Arkansas, Tennessee, including Memphis and Nashville, over towards southern Kentucky and northern parts of Mississippi and Alabama, where rounds of freezing rain can lead to icy roads, sidewalks, and travel delays. Another area of snow will stretch from the northern Rockies into South Dakota, northern Nebraska, and Iowa, where one to three inches can accumulate through this evening. The northwest will remain stormy with another round of rain and heavy mountain snow over Washington and Oregon. Much of California into the desert southwest and Texas will have dry and quiet weather, while rain will damp the lower Mississippi Valley and central Gulf Coast states, while showers extend into central and southern Florida. Much of the Carolinas and Georgia will have sunny and calm weather with highs in the 50s. The Northeast will remain locked in the Arctic air with highs in the 30s from the nation's capital to Boston, with teens and 20s felt across northern New England. There'll be a gusty breeze at times, putting that extra chill in the air, but not as windy as yesterday. A few flurries may sneak into New York City and Philadelphia this afternoon. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Carl Erickson. Remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. President Biden met with the Speaker of the House and other congressional leaders over complex talks to unlock aid for Ukraine, Israel, and other U.S. allies. Lisa Dwyer reports Republicans continue to push for tougher measures on immigration for any budget proposal that might be considered. This will be an opportunity for the president and for uh, the national security team to make sure that members of Congress fully understand the desperate, urgent need for weapons and capabilities for Ukraine to continue to flow. We have a number of important international responsibilities, and I think it's time to go ahead with the supplemental, and I'm anticipating that'll be before us next week. While President Joe Biden's national security team sought to underscore the importance of unlocking Ukraine funding, House Speaker Mike Johnson continues to push the White House and Senate negotiators on immigration measures that go beyond what some say Biden is willing to accept. We understand that there's concern about uh, the safety, security, sovereignty of Ukraine, but the American people have those same concerns about our own domestic sovereignty and our safety and our security. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said that there was large agreement amongst the attendees that Congress needed to act on both Ukraine and the U.S. border. I am more optimistic than ever before that we'd come to an agreement. I put the chances a little bit greater than half now, and that's the first time I can say that. The meeting comes as Congress is about to quickly approve temporary funding to avoid a government shutdown. The president himself said over and over again that he is willing to make, uh, to move forward on border. And so we said we have to do both. There were a couple of people in the room who said, let's do border first. We said we have to do both together. And as the supplemental aid package sits undone during the immigration and border talks. We understand that all these things are important, but we must insist, we must insist that the border be the top priority. I, I think we have some consensus around that table. Everyone understands the urgency of that, and we're going to continue to press for it. I'm Lisa Dwyer. 
For the second time in two days, Yemen's Houthis attacked a cargo ship owned by a U.S. company in the Gulf of Aden off the Yemeni coast, this time using an explosive-laden drone that caused a fire but was contained and extinguished. Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports the U.S. has now put the Iranian-backed Houthis back on a list of specially designated global terrorists. We anticipated the Houthis would continue to try to hold this critical artery at risk. And we continue to reserve the right to take further action, but this needs to be an all-hands-on-deck effort. They're the Biden administration's latest bid to stop Houthi attacks on global shipping. The sanctions that come with a formal terror designation are meant to keep violent extremist groups from their funding sources. U.S. officials say the sanctions will be designed to minimize harm to Yemen's people, among the world's poorest and hungriest. The United States is the world's leading donor of humanitarian assistance to Yemen. We recognize the grave humanitarian situation there, which is why we are taking these steps to minimize harm to the civilian population. But aid groups worry the penalties will make a humanitarian crisis worse. An FTO designation ran the risk of, of having a deterrent effect on some of those aid groups continuing to provide aid. Worried that they might be charged as, as providing material support to a terrorist organization. And critics say the sanctions may not even have much effect on the Houthis, a relatively isolated group with few known assets in the U.S. that could be threatened by sanctions. We are working to mitigate any adverse impacts of this designation on the people of Yemen, including through the issuance of five general licenses by the Treasury Department designed to ensure that food, fuel, Critical humanitarian aid and essential commercial goods are able to continue flowing to vulnerable Yemeni civilians. Sagar Magani at the White House. Arctic cold weather has a grip on numerous parts of the country, from the Dakotas and Great Lakes down to Alabama and Texas, as well as the Northeast to Georgia. With more on the stinging chill, here's correspondent Clayton Neville. A message from Mississippi's governor, Tate Reeves, as frigid air and slick roads threaten residents in his state to deaths attributed to winter weather in Mississippi. A word of caution uh, to everyone across the state to be very, very careful. At least 33 people have died across nine states since January 12th as a rash of wintry weather has impacted the Midwest, the South, and the Northeast. Seven deaths reported in Tennessee. Car crashes on icy roads also leading to deaths in Pennsylvania and other states. Hypothermia, an issue too. Matt Zavodsky runs an ambulance service in Texas. If you do need to go outdoors, make sure that you're layering your clothing. You want to bundle up, cover all of your skin because fingers and earlobes and cheeks are very susceptible to frostbite. Your head um, dissipates a lot of heat, so make sure that you're wearing a hat. Some parts of the country are slowly warming up above freezing, which has plumbing companies on standby as pipes are bursting in some homes and businesses. We're working around the clock. All of our guys are on call in these emergency situations, so phones are answered 24-7. We'll get there just absolutely as quick as we can. Carissa Richardson owns a plumbing company in the Dallas area and says it's too late for prevention in this particular event. Now it just being cautious when we turn it back on and watching. It's typically going to be on an outside wall where maybe there wasn't enough insulation. Usually on the north side of the house, but look for outside walls first. You know, if you've got a lavatory or a water heater that's on the north side of the house, those are going to be the most common place. The winter blast not done yet. More accumulating snow likely from the Midwest to the east on Friday. I'm Clayton Neville. A couple of the stories you'll hear next on America in the Morning. Trump's lawyers on his classified documents case and King Charles III expected to undergo surgery. That and more after these messages. 
We're back. This is America in the Morning. I'm John Trout. Police in an Ohio town released body cam footage showing officers execute a search warrant, breaking into a house and using flashbangs. But as Sue Aller reports, the only two people in the home were a mother and her 17-month-old medically challenged son. Questions, of course, are being raised as to what led to the need for the warrant. Did the police raid the wrong house? That was audio from a Ring doorbell camera obtained by WKYC3 News. Earlier this month, Elyria, Ohio police raided a house as part of an ongoing investigation. Inside the only one's home were 25-year-old Courtney Price and her 17-month-old son, Waylon. Waylon is on a ventilator for ongoing health issues. On the police body camera, which was released yesterday, you can hear her cooperating with police as she came out of the house. Since the raid, Waylon has been hospitalized with irritation to his lungs and skin. Waylon's mom, who had been staying at her uncle's house, spoke to News 5 Cleveland. It makes me angry because he's fought for 17 months to get where he's at, and now he's almost back to square one. The police have stated that the raid was conducted on the correct house. They are also saying that flashbangs do not produce a continuous burn, nor do they contain any pepper, gas, or chemical agents. A complete review of the incident has been ordered by the Elyria mayor. I'm Sue Aller. Lawyers for former President Donald Trump are foreshadowing elements of their defense in the criminal case charging him with illegally retaining classified documents. Correspondent Julie Walker reports. In a motion, Trump's lawyers say they will dispute prosecutors' allegations that the estate where the records were stored was not secure. The indictment charging the former president with dozens of felony counts alleges investigators found boxes of sensitive documents recklessly stored at Mar-a-Lago, including in a ballroom, bathroom, shower, bedroom, and a storage room. The ridiculous and baseless indictment of me by the Biden administration's weaponized Department of Injustice will go down as among the most horrific abuses of power in the history of our country. The defense team also said they're seeking communication between the Justice Department prosecution team led by Jack Smith and associates of President Biden in hopes of advancing their claims that the classified documents case is politically motivated and designed to harm Trump's campaign. I'm Julie Walker. America in the Morning continues. Overseas in Great Britain, the monarchy announced that King Charles III is scheduled to have a procedure for his prostate next week. This is Kate, the Princess of Wales, just underwent a planned surgery and could be off her feet for weeks. Correspondent Karen Shamas reports. Kensington Palace has said the Princess of Wales has been hospitalised after having a planned abdominal operation. The palace said she'll remain at the private London clinic for up to two weeks and is expected to return to public duties after Easter. The palace didn't offer further details, but confirmed that her condition was non-cancerous. What we understand is that um, the procedures have been successful, but it will be necessary for the princess to cancel all engagements aside of Easter. Subsequently, hopefully, uh, depending on medical advice, uh, she will be able 
to uh, carry them out. Moments after news of Kate's hospitalisation was released, Buckingham Palace revealed that King Charles III would undergo a corrective procedure next week. The palace said the procedure is for an enlarged prostate. What we would not envisage is anything that would change long term. Equally, we will expect, uh, from what we know, from the prostate operation being what it is, that King Charles will be back at his duties uh, very shortly. It's added that the King's condition was benign. Karen Chamas, London. Internet search has been a staple for most phones for years now, but Google has just announced some major upgrades for your search experience. Here's Chuck Palm with today's tech news. Google announced today they will be adding two new features to your search bar, Circle to Search and an AI-powered multi-search. These new features will allow users to search with an image and text simultaneously using their mobile phones. At the moment, the feature will be limited to the Google Pixel 8 and the new Samsung Galaxy S24 series, announced today at the Samsung Electronics Unpacked event. In a statement from the Google blog, they said, for instance, you can search with your voice or you can search with your camera using lens. And recently, we've been testing how generative AI's abilities understand natural language, and it makes it possible to ask questions in a more natural way. In addition to image and text search, they've added a feature where you can circle a focus point on a picture, and it will include that in its search parameters. Google is planning to launch Circle Search and the new multi-search globally on select premium Android smartphones on January 31st. For more tech news, visit allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. Time now for Sports on America in the Morning with the Thursday edition. Here's Robert Workman. The NBA's top team, the Celtics, sashay past the Spurs, the last place team in the West last night, 117-98 the final. Boston now 20-0 at home to start the season, a franchise record. The West-leading Timberwolves had a little more of a tussle with the Pistons before beating the East Cellar Dwellers, 124-117. The Cavaliers bamboozled the Bucks. Lakers mashed the Mavericks, the Pelicans pounded the Hornets, Knicks grounded the Rockets. Last-second wins for the Hawks and the Blazers, and the Raptors rolled over the heat before the game. Toronto traded all-star forward Pascal Siakam to the Pacers for three first-round picks and three players. Warriors and Jazz were postponed after Golden State assistant Dejan Milojevic passed away of a heart attack Tuesday night at age 46. NHL, the Canadians edge the Devils. Red Wings ding the Panthers in overtime. That snaps Detroit's 10-game losing streak against Florida. Blackhawks and Sabres were postponed because of travel restrictions in Buffalo. Another snowstorm coming through. College basketball, number one Connecticut rolled over number 18 Creighton 62-48. That's the Huskies' first regular season game as the nation's top team in 15 years. Top 10 wins for North Carolina, Houston, and Kentucky. At the Australian Open, top seed Iga Swiatek battled back from down two service breaks in the final set to defeat American Daniel Collins and advance to the third round. Men's number one Novak Djokovic won as well. And from the NFL, Mike McCarthy will remain head coach of the Cowboys. That wasn't a sure thing after their home playoff loss to the Packers. That's Thursday Sports. Thank you, Robert. Catch you tomorrow when we return on America in the Morning. What happens in Vegas? Better not wind up on your camera. And the Songwriters Hall of Fame inductees. Back after these messages. Welcome back to this, our final segment this morning on America in the Morning. There are lots of pedestrian bridges across the Las Vegas Strip, but you better think twice before stopping and snapping a photo, or you could wind up in jail. Ed Donahue explains. 
People are now banned from standing or stopping on bridges. Violate the ordinance and you could face up to six months in jail or a $1,000 fine. Atar Hasabula with the American Civil Liberties Union says this is a violation of First Amendment rights. If you are up there taking a picture, if you tie your shoelace, if you need a break to catch your air for a couple minutes, you stop to protest. You stop to engage in sharing your faith. UNLV professor William Souza says disorder has increased along the strip. Fights, um, public intoxication, uh, public drug activity, suspicious persons. Hasabula says people are being told it's dangerous enough that people can't stop along the bridges. But it's not dangerous enough to make sure there's a permanent police presence up there. The county says this is all about a smoother flow of pedestrian traffic. I'm Ed Donahue. The Songwriters Hall of Fame has announced this year's class of inductees. Entertainment correspondent Margie Zaraleta has a look at the list. R.E.M. and Steely Dan will go into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. So will producer-writer Timberland. He's responsible for hits like Get Your Freak On by Missy Elliott and Justin Timberlake's Sexy Back. Songwriter Hillary Lindsay also will be inducted. She wrote this song. Jesus, Dean Pitchford also will be inducted. Among his hits is this song. The induction ceremony is June 13th in New York. I'm Margie Zaraleta. A biopic on the life of Richard Simmons on the silver screen. Kevin Carr reports one is on the way, but one person isn't all that happy about it. 90s pop culture icon Pauly Shore is exchanging his scarves for short shorts. On Wednesday, Variety reported that Shore will star in an upcoming biopic about personal fitness guru Richard Simmons. The announcement came days before Shore will play Simmons in an unrelated short film titled The Court Jester at the Sundance Film Festival. Your weight doesn't matter. If you like yourself, you're going to be fine. The short will premiere at Sundance on Friday with a simultaneous release on YouTube. Simmons shot to fame in the 1980s with his energetic demeanor and positive attitude. His use of aerobic workouts along with proper diet saw him guest starring on everything from Late Night with David Letterman to General Hospital. Laura's still missing and that's affecting all of us. Well, I know that, but that's why we're here to get our mind off Laura. Simmons launched several products on TV, including his Sweat Until the Oldies workout video and his Deal a Meal eating program. In its first eight weeks, a quarter of a million people started. What is it, people? Right. Throwing a potential snag in the film plans is Simmons himself, who took to Facebook mere hours after the announcement. The 75-year-old Simmons, who has retreated from public life in recent years, said he had not given his permission for the film. Don't believe everything you read, Simmons wrote. The Wolper organization, a subsidiary of Warner Brothers, said in a statement that it still intends to make the movie. I'm Kevin Carr. America in the Morning for Thursday, January 18th, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay. Senior producer, Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. 
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.